Welcome to the VU Church Podcast. What is your mind set on? In the same way that a thermostat sets the temperature of our environment, your mind sets the temperature of your life. How is a thermostat of your mind? Cold? Hot? Just right? Today, Pastor Rich continues our collection of talks, mindsets, new pathways, new results. Today's message is, have you lost your mind? Sharing three key ways to tear down strongholds in our mind. We're in the final week of our 21-day prayer journey. As we set aside time to remove distractions and focus on God, we find strength and vision. Discover guided meditations and additional resources for your faith journey at the VU Church YouTube channel. Remember, a fresh start begins with a sound mind. Let's lean into the message together. If you got a Bible, quickly reach for it. 2 Corinthians chapter 10 is where I want you to turn. We're gonna also cross-reference with a scripture in uh, Timothy. And uh, before I get there, we are in week three of a collection entitled Mindsets, New Pathways in Order to Create New Results. And I think it's a really fitting collection, especially at the start of a year, because at the start of the year, what we're saying is that if you want your life to change, you first have to change your mind. How many know your life follows your mind? Where your mind goes, your life follows. And here's the good news for Whoever you are today, maybe it's your first Sunday in church, or maybe you've been coming to church for a long time. Here's the good news. According to God's word, we can change. But not just according to God's word, we also have discovered in science, it's called neuroplasticity, that you can change your brain, that you can change the way that you think. And if you change the way that you think, as you get new brain waves going, those new brain waves in your brain are gonna create new pathways, which are ultimately gonna lead to new results. Anybody looking for some new results in 2022? Come on, can I just get a little bit of faith? Come on, city. I I want some new results. And in order to do that, we have to ask ourselves the question, what is my mind set on? What is my mind set? A mindset is more than just your thinking. A mindset is a mood. It's an attitude. It's a disposition. It's an intention. What's the intention of your life. I was thinking about it this week about mindsets. Mindsets, um, maybe a simple way just to kind of, as we get into the scriptures today, to think about it is the difference between a thermostat and a thermometer. Thermometer tells you the temperature. By the way, if you're at South Miami, we are still fixing this AC. We apologize. It's a little warm. I don't know why I wore a sweater. Didn't get the memo. We need to get the old church fans going in here today. Uh, Hopefully, if you're at your house, you've got AC at your house, but wherever you're at today, a thermometer just tells you the temperature. A thermostat sets the temperature. That's what a mindset does. Is your life hot? Is your life cold? Or are you at the right temperature? It all comes back to your your mindset. And I just felt this word, this phrase, I want you to write it down today. Hopefully it'll encourage you because this is the word of the Lord for so many in this room today and watching online is that who you have been is not a great indicator of who you can become. Who you have been is not a great indicator of who you can become. We're gonna discover that today in the scripture. 2 Corinthians chapter 10. Let me just read some, some text up front and then let me just try to break it down the way that I see it and hopefully it's a proper inter- interpretation that's gonna help you in your everyday life. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse three. We looked at this text week one. I told you I was gonna come back to it and here we are today coming back to it. This is Paul writing to the church in Corinth. He says, for though we walk in the flesh, We are not waging war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power. Someone say divine power. Someone say, I have divine power. 
divine power to destroy, here's the key word, strongholds. If you got a pen, I want you to underline that word because we're gonna talk a lot about that today. We destroy arguments in every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ. Week one, I talked about putting your thoughts in timeout. Some of y'all know how to discipline your kids. You don't know how to discipline your thoughts. Put some of those toxic thoughts in forever timeout. You're never coming out of this room, ever. We're gonna get there. All right. Being ready to punish every disobedience when your obedience is complete. I just wanna give you one other verse, and this is it, 2 Timothy chapter one, just cross-referencing. 2 Timothy chapter one. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Someone say sound mind. Uh, my sermon title today is really a question. You might not like the question, but I'm believing you're gonna be encouraged by the time we walk out of here. Here's the sermon title and here's the question. Have you lost your mind? And normally I would make you look at your neighbor and ask that question, but I felt like that might be a little offensive today. Have you lost your mind? Would you pray with me? Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you that today, God, it's active in our life. That's sharper than a double-edged sword, that it does surgery. God, that as we read it, it, it reads us. And so Lord, today we open ourselves up to the great surgeon, the savior of the world, Jesus Christ. Lord, we wanna walk out of here different from how we came in today. God, we sense that you are moving, but there's those even in this room today, God, that they hear that you're moving. But Lord, today we ask that you'd move in our lives personally and individually. God, that as we're on this journey corporately of prayer and fasting, Lord, I pray that you'd begin to do something specifically, Lord, in our specific everyday lives, Lord. Make yourself real to us today. Let us leave here different, different, thinking like Jesus, acting like Jesus, walking like Jesus, being more like Jesus. We pray all of these things in the name of Jesus. And if you agree with that prayer, all of God's people said, all of God's people said, come on city, so me, come on, make some noise out there. Come on, give God a little bit of shout of a praise all over this room. I had to say it lightly, an eventful week last week. Um, I wasn't with you last Sunday. I was actually overseas in Argentina for uh, a great couple in our church getting to participate in the wedding ceremony. Uh, and it was wonderful. And we eventually got there. But, but getting there was a, was a process, to say the least. Um, it was, it was a, a, a journey. In fact, I was scheduled to leave uh, last week on, on Wednesday. And I had my whole trip planned for, for months and months. The wedding's in Buenos Aires. Is that, am I saying that right? Buenos Aires? Okay, don't come at me, okay? <laughs> I, just, I like that, beautiful. And um, I, was, I was excited about it, man. Like we had made a decision like to go to this wedding and be a part of it, like months out. You know how it is, you're planning and we had to get the babysitters. Dontry was gonna go with me and I discovered it's like a nine hour flight and so I'm getting old and so I used to be able to just land and you know, hit the ground running but now I need a couple days of recovery. So I was like, I'm gonna go in two days early, see the city, enjoy it, you know, just really take it in. And so I was pumped, I was excited. Uh, I was gonna go to the first prayer meeting right here at South Miami and so I had my whole day plan. I was taking the 11 o'clock flight. I was like, this is great. I get to be at our first prayer meeting. I get to make it to the wedding. Luke and Manushka are going to smash it next Sunday, week two of the collection. I'm t this is a both and world that I get to live in. Thank you, God. So I'm getting ready. I'm at the house. I got my bag packed and I I I'm, I'm about to get in the car to come over to our first prayer meeting here at South Miami. And um, everything's packed. Everything's ready. And um, right before I'm about to leave the house, I'm going through the checklist and I say, okay, okay, I got everything. Uh, where is my passport. And have you ever had that feeling where like you kind of begin to look for something 
and like the place that you knew it was in, it, it wasn't there. And you're like, you go to look for it, you're like, wait, I know it's there, it's not there. So I knew it was in my bag and like, I went in my bag and it wasn't there. And so I just like keep, like you ever, <laughs> you ever just keep looking in the same place even though you've looked there now, you know? I've turned the bag inside out. I've called my wife because it's always my wife's fault if I can't find something. I've got all of our team looking for my passport. I mean, I, I just, I can't find my passport. And as the hours pass, I'm getting more and more nervous until finally it came to a point where there's no way I'm, I'm gonna make this flight. I don't know where my, where my passport is. And I was just thinking about that this week in terms of intentions are not always enough to get you to your destination. Like I had all the right intentions, bro. I had the flight booked. I've got status on the airline, but it doesn't matter if you book your flights. It doesn't matter if you have status on the airline. It doesn't matter how good your bag is packed. At the end of the day, there are some essentials. And the reality of it is, if I ever want to walk into a new country or another country, I need my passport. And what I want to say to some of us in this room today is that in the exact same way to go to a new country, I need my passport. In the way to arrive at a new you, you need a sound mind. You need a sound mind. And I don't know how to preach this in a nice way, so I'm gonna try to kind of hit it hard up front and then we're gonna come back and try to be kind. But does it feel like to anybody else when you look at the world that everybody is losing their mind? Okay, maybe just me, but it's just, it's crazy out in these streets. People are losing their mind. Confusion and I talk to every, everybody I talk to is worried. Everybody I talk to has a layer of just confusion. We see right now all of the data that things like depression, anxiety, doesn't matter how many drugs we throw at it, people aren't getting better, they're getting worse. People have questions about all sorts of things. One of the biggest things is, who am I? (laughs) We don't even know who we are. Fear is overtaking our society and so many people have lost their mind. And the reality of it is, in order to get to the destination God's called them to, they're gonna need a sound mind. What I find so encouraging about our text is week one of this collection, we talked about it really clearly that there's really only two mindsets in God's word. Paul lays it out in the book of Romans. He says that your mind is either set on the flesh or your mind is set on the spirit. And if your mind is set on the flesh, it leads to destruction. But if you set your mind on the spirit, there is this thing called the fruit of the spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness. Watch this, self-control. When you're led by the spirit, you can actually control yourself. But I can't control myself. Yes, you can. What is your mind set on? When I read that beautiful letter to Paul's young apprentice, Timothy, he is telling him that this spirit that your mind is set upon, he does not give you fear. Fear does not come from God. The church of Jesus Christ, this is not an hour for us to be afraid. This is an hour for us to proclaim and herald the good news that if you set your mind on the spirit, he doesn't give you a spirit of fear. He gives you a spirit of power, of love, come on, and a sound mind. Can I get a witness out there if you know what I'm talking about? I want a sound mind in 2022. I want a sound mind in 2022. And what we read today in Paul's letter to Corinthians is what we've been talking about since the beginning of this collection, that Paul makes it so, so clear that you and I, there's a battle going on. 
And the battle is happening in our mind. That the enemy is coming to us and he's trying to control our thought patterns. He's trying to control what it is that we're thinking about because if he gets our mind, he, he gets our life. And here's Paul using, once again, very, very strong language. And the key phrase that he says that sticks out to me, he says that we have divine power to tear down strongholds. And this little phrase, strongholds, is what I want to lean in today with so many of you because there's so many that are in church, but your mind has become incarcerated by the evil one. You're a prisoner of war. You, 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 you're caught, but you, you want to escape. You, you want to break free, but there's this thing called a stronghold that's stealing your mind. And I want to come and preach a good word to you that you don't have to let your mind be held hostage to the enemy any longer. That today is the day that you can tear down the stronghold that God has given you divine power to do so. So you say, Rich, what is a stronghold? Well, anything that has a strong hold on you. It's pretty deep right there, right? Yeah. Thank you, Adrian, for agreeing with me, you know? But maybe a deeper way to say it is how I wrote it down this week is that a stronghold is a mindset that accepts a situation as unchangeable even though we know it's against God's will. This is big because a stronghold is a mindset. It's a decision that, you know what? This is never, ever going to change even though I know it goes against God's word. Stronghold. And when Paul's writing here in his letter to the Corinthians, he uses this word stronghold, and, he, and I think he's really meaning it in a very literal sense. A stronghold is, is a fort, and there is a wall that is built to keep the enemy out. And what Paul is saying, just so we really, really understand this very, very clear, is that a stronghold is the wall that keeps God's truth from getting to the place in the human mind and the human heart. So any area that God's truth is not getting to is what we would call a stronghold. And we have to see this because many times what happens is, is that strongholds, they lead to toxicity. They lead to destruction. But too many people, what they try to do is they try to treat the symptoms instead of going to the problem. So, so strongholds lead to addiction. Strongholds lead to sexual immorality. Uh, strongholds lead to codependency. And what people try to do in the body of Christ is they try to fixate on the codependency or fixate on the addiction. But that's not how you tear down a stronghold because that is a result of the stronghold. The only way you can tear down the stronghold is identify the lie and fill it with God's truth. See, what we have been learning, Jesus talks about this in John chapter eight. He says the devil is the father of lies. That he only has one native tongue and that is to lie to you. And how does he lie to you? He lies to you with thoughts. Little, tiny, unchecked thoughts that go off in our mind. And here's the craziest part about these thoughts is that when they come to you, oftentimes you think you're the one who came up with them. But it's called deception. So when he lies to you, he doesn't tell you a full lie. He tells you a half truth. And he comes to you and he gets you to believe that it's you who originated this thing, but not every thought that comes into your brain, you don't have to click on that thought. You can cancel that thing. You can say, I'm not going to fixate on that. And there's strongholds even in the body of Christ today. And so many of us, we've, we've lost our mind. We've, we've given up our mind. We have put our mind on the things of the flesh. And a mind that is not influenced by God's truth is controlled by Satan's lies. 
it's heavy and it's hard, but it's just so, so true that, that we're controlled by his lies and we're believing what the enemy is saying rather than what God has already said. What Jesus teaches is a, is a powerful scripture. In Matthew chapter 12, he explains how the enemy, the enemy who wants to come and steal, kill, and destroy you, how does he do it? Matthew chapter 12, verse 29. Or again, how can anyone enter a strong man's house and carry off his possessions? You are the strong man in the text. That's good. That's what Jesus says about you. How can he enter a strong man or strong woman's house and carry off his possessions? Unless, watch this, he first ties up the strong man. Then he can rob his house. So what does the enemy do? The enemy comes to you with little unchecked thoughts, little tiny lies. You're not enough. You are your mistakes. You are your failures. You should give up now. It's never going to be worth it. And he's tying you up string by string. Before you know it, you are bound. And now that you're bound, the enemy can come and rob from you. But the apostle Paul is teaching us. He was saying that you and I, we have divine power to tear down the stronghold. Any area that we're unable to receive truth is evidence of a stronghold. So like, here's a great example. Like you could be here today and I could be preaching about forgiveness and the whole time I'm preaching about forgiveness, which is God's truth and pathway for your healing. As you listen to it, and as you hear it, you put up a wall and you go, I can't hear that. It's evidence of a stronghold in your life. It's evidence of, of the enemy stealing from you and, and binding you up with his, his thought patterns. And I'm just telling you what, if you let your mind wander, don't be surprised when you get lost. Yesterday, I took my kids to uh, this event on Bayfront Park, Wadapalooza, and uh, there's this huge CrossFit Games event taking place. It's cool. All my sons are really into muscles. Dad, we want to see muscles. I was like, look at me. Let's go, you know? <laughs> but they see my abs, and they're like, oh, that's a belly. I'm like, shut up, you know? And, um, and so we're, we're walking around uh, Wadapalooza, and it's just like, it's chaos. There's so many people everywhere. And so what do I do? I grab hold of my boys, and I hold them tightly. And I say, boys, you can't wander. You got to stay close to dad. Why? Because if they wander, they're prone to getting lost. Yeah. Not every thought that comes into your mind are you supposed to entertain or click on. And if you just let your mind wander, and if you don't guard it, it tends to get lost. I've been living in Miami since I was 14. And I'm still amazed how often I get lost in the city. I still don't like, especially now coming into South Miami, like I'm new to the South Miami area. I don't go anywhere in my car without my GPS system. I don't know. I, just, I, I know how to get from my house to the church and that's about it, okay? I have to enter in the destination. But as I enter in the destination, now I have to obey the commands of the GPS. Let me just put it to you this way. You have an intention. My intention is to grow in 2022. My intention is to get better. That's great. But now what you have to do is with that intention, you have to get God's word, which is your GPS. And you actually have to put in your dreams and your plans into the GPS system, which is God's word. And watch this. You have to then obey his word to reap the benefit of his word. Watch this. Here's the best news. Anyone ever make a wrong turn and disobey that beautiful voice? I have, but the good news is, is my GPS always says rerouting. And I want to encourage you today that if you feel like your mind has been lost, if you feel like you have wandered off, there is good news. God has grace for your life. He wants to reroute you today. Come on, somebody. He's the God who reroutes us. He's the God who reroutes us. Everything about God's truth is found in his word. And if we want to combat the lies of the enemy, we need to apply the truth to our lives. I want to give you a really simple teaching today 
But once again, some of it's difficult to hear. Might be difficult today because maybe you have a wall that's stopping the truth of God's word from getting to your heart and to your mind. I'm telling you, if you want to arrive at a new you, you're going to need the most essential thing, which is a sound mind because where your mind goes, your life follows. God hasn't given you worry. He hasn't given you fear. You're not supposed to live anxious and depressed as a follower of Jesus. He's given you a spirit of power, of love, and a sound mind. I want to give you just three simple steps of how you begin to tear down strongholds in your life. Some of you today, um, this is exactly where you're at, and this is a message that you need today. Others of you, I'm just telling you right now, this might be something you want to take notes on because you're going to find yourself in years' time dealing with something, this, this struggle that I, I can't get rid of, this addiction. And if you're not careful, you will adopt a mindset that says this will never change, even though I know it goes against the will of God. So let me just give you three simple steps of how to begin to tear down a stronghold in your life. The, the, the first word, here we go, is the word repentance. Everyone say repentance. This is the first step to tearing down strongholds. I think in church, we know this word and we hear this word, but this word oftentimes gets like a, a dirty connotation and people only have like a half truth around this word. I think sometimes in order to learn what something is, you have to know what it's not. Um, remorse is not repentance. Okay, just, let's just start there. Like, like, oh, I made mistakes. God didn't die for mistakes. God sent his son Jesus to die for sin. A little bit different than a mistake. Sin renders you dead forever. Mistakes, oh, that's a mishap. No, no, no. We fell short of God's glory. So repentance doesn't just start with a feeling of guilt. I, I believe remorse is a massive part of repentance. But if we just render it simply to that definition, what we turn repentance into is a feeling. But repentance is more than a feeling. You know, my, my boys, uh, I, yesterday I was looking at my son, Wyatt. I said, Wyatt, um, I need to have a talk with you. And in my house, that usually means you're in trouble. So before he's even heard anything, he's like, ah, oh, he, he goes into like, no, no talk, you know? It's like, dude, I don't know. Who do you think I am? You know, I have to check my parenting. Um, I said, no, 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 you're not in trouble. I just, I want to, I want to talk to you. But what I've learned is just because he throws a tantrum doesn't actually mean that he's repentant of what it is that I want to speak to him about. If we're not careful, we just turn repentance into some feeling. Let me just tell you what, you don't get extra credit because you feel guilty all the time. In fact, the good news of Jesus is you don't have to feel guilty. I, I, I'll preach that next week. There is no condemnation in Christ Jesus. You're not called to walk around feeling guilty about what you've done. You're supposed to put your trust in Jesus who set you free. But watch this. Remorse is not repentance. And watch this. Confession is not repentance. Why? Because how I many know just because you admit the crime doesn't mean that you're repenting of the crime. And I actually think that there's a thing going on in church life today where it's like this like culture of just confession. Like, yeah, bro, I know I'm struggling. This, this, this is who I am. This is just like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Just because you're confessing something doesn't mean that you're repenting from it. That's great that you've taken the first step of honesty and transparency, but that is not Repentance. You might get caught. How many know? A lot of people, they, they, they confess after they got caught. Oh, you got me. Yeah, I did it. I did it. No, bro, you weren't ever going to tell nobody about that until you got caught. So, so confession is not simply repentance and remorse isn't repentance. By definition, repentance is a heartfelt sorrow of sin 
Sin meaning I've, I don't measure up. I recognize that. I've fallen short of God's glory. But then I forsake the sin. I don't, I don't want the sin anymore. That's, that's not what I want in my life. I don't want to tolerate a little bit of it. I, I want to call it out. I, I don't want it in my life. I, I forsake that. I'm not committed to that anymore. If you see sin in my life, help me because it's, 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 it's leaving me bound and hurt. I, I forsake it. But then watch this. I then commit to following Jesus. I, I, I commit to following Christ. I commit to walking in obedience to Christ. This is massive. Because when it comes to repentance, it begins with a sorrow in the heart, but then it's a forsaking, it's a letting go, and it's a turning to, to say, Jesus, I will follow you. Wherever you go, I want your life. You are the path. I'm putting my trust in you. And let me just give good news. The good news is is that I actually believe we're all forgiven. The question is, have we received his forgiveness? Because the forgiveness you can't receive is the sin you can't repent. What I want you to see is that repentance, it starts out in the very beginning. That's how we come to Jesus. I repent, I recognize that I fall short. But then as I live my life according to Jesus, I'm aligning myself, my ways to his ways. And there's always an area for me to grow. But I wanted to say it this way. You're not struggling if you're not fighting. I'm struggling. Dog, you're not, really? That, that, that sounds nice, but there's no fight in you. It's, it's a turn towards Jesus. I have to let go of sin to take hold of Jesus. So remorse is not repentance and confession is not repentance. What is repentance? Repentance starts with this word called acceptance. And here's where I come for some people today. <laughs> that if you want to tear down a stronghold in your life, you have to accept the responsibility of your life. Let's put it another way. You can't play the blame game. The blame game. What we want to do is we want to blame events, experiences, people as to why we are at where we're at today in life. But yo, you don't get better blaming people. You only stay stuck with where you are. Now, it shouldn't surprise us because this is truly what humanity has been doing since the beginning of time. Remember Adam and Eve in the garden? What does the devil come do as a serpent? He comes and how does he trick them? He deceives them. Oh, did God really say? He gets you to question God's word, gets you to question God's motives, gets you to question God's intentions. Did God really say not to eat from this tree? Don't you know if you eat from this tree, you're gonna be just like God? He appeals to our ego. He appeals to our pride. What do they do? They, they eat the fruit. And once they eat the food, they recognize that they're naked and they've fallen from God's standard and God's glory. And then they go hide from God. God comes and finds them. And he says, Adam, why did you eat the fruit? And here we go. It is the start of a pattern that shows up in our lives today. Uh, The woman made me do it. Hello. So God goes to Eve. Eve, why'd you do it? Oh, the snake made me do it. What are they doing? They're both absolving themselves of responsibility and they're playing the blame game. And you and I, we do it all the time. But God is saying, I've given you a sound mind that you might have the ability to respond correctly to what it is that I have spoken to you. We got to stop playing the blame game. We blame everything. Blame the government. Tell you what, I would be a better Christian, but do you know who's in office right now? Thank you. We blame taxes. Ah, I would tithe and trust God with my finances, but have you seen how much the government's taken from me? What? What? 
better. Like, you have to accept responsibility. We blame the weather. Just having a bad day, man, the rain, everything. What? <laughs> what? You, th- what? you think a sound mind is shifted and dictated by the weather outside? Whew, feeling good, the sun's out. What? Last time I checked, the son of God resurrected from a grave. He is always on the throne. I can make a decision at any moment to walk. We blame our boss. We blame our coworkers. We blame our spouse. You don't understand who I'm married to, bro. What? You married her. You don't understand, man. Like my parents, my parents, bro, they hurt me. And I, I'm not, I want to shepherd you and I want to guide you in some things in this room because of strongholds. Some of us have been abused and hurt and it's serious stuff. There's all sorts of stories that come to me. Incest, rape, abuse, real trauma, real trauma. But I get shocked by people that are following Jesus who want the entire world to make them a guarantee, but they're unwilling to make themselves a guarantee. What I want you to see is that the wound that happened in your life, you might not have caused it, but your healing is still your responsibility. It's still your responsibility. It's still your responsibility. And if I'm going to tear down a stronghold, I got to stop playing the blame game. I got to repent. God, it's not just a sorrow. I forsake. That stuff is tearing me down, and I am turning my direction. Repentance in the Old Testament is a turn towards God. In the New Testament, it is a turning of the direction of your mind to change your mind. I have changed my mind. Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Therefore, my truth is not dictated by my feelings, by my experiences, by the culture. My truth is found in a man, and his name is Jesus. I'm following the way, the truth and the life. Someone say repentance. But it's not just repentance. The second word if you're going to take down strongholds is this word reliance. Everyone say reliance. You have to rely upon God's provision. I wrote it down this week. I've said this before, but this is the truth. We're not saved by grace and then sustained by works. That's not how it works. We're saved by grace through faith. You have to rely upon your Savior. Many of us, that's how we repent. We get saved and we follow him. And then we start walking out our Christian journey and we try to do all this extra stuff. Look at what the scripture says. This is so good. James chapter four. I'm gonna read you a few verses and make a couple applications. James chapter four, verse six. This is good, but he gives us more grace. Whew but he gives us more grace. Someone say more grace. I want to encourage you today. If you're struggling with a stronghold, there is more grace for you. God has grace to spare for you. Your mess is not too big for God's grace. In fact, God has more grace for your big mess. God has more grace for all of your mistakes. God has more grace for all of your mishaps, for all of your failure, for all of your struggles, for all of your issues. He has more grace. Someone say more grace. He he has more grace. And this is good news that God has more grace for me. But watch this. How do we get this more grace? James chapter four, verse six. That is why the scripture says, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. He opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. I wrote it down this week, this way. Strongholds defeat us not because we are weak, but because we think we're strong. How do I get the more grace? When you admit that you're weak. 
This is, a, this is a scary scripture that I wanna come back to and maybe just do a whole message on. How do you get into opposition with God? One word, pride. Why? Because it reminds him of someone else that he don't like. It reminds him of the enemy who used to be the leader of worship, but instead wanted to steal that glory from God and get it for himself because he was saying, I don't need to be reliant upon God. And so what did God do? God cast him out of heaven like lightning And anytime we start operating in pride, we remind him of the enemy. And God says, if you operate like you got this on your own, I'm telling you what, you're not going to get more grace. Instead, I won't help you. I'll be opposed to you. Your strength is no match for your stronghold. And some of us today, that might be right where we need to land. Wow, I can't defeat this in my own strength. This is what Paul's talking about, that you're not gonna be able to defeat this with earthly psychology. You're gonna need some spiritual weaponry. You're gonna have to learn how to apply God's scripture and God's truth to the areas that are trying to block the truth from getting you free in Jesus. Look what he says, this is really good. Verse seven, submit yourself then to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Here's the key word right here. How do I get this more grace? When I operate in humility, and I admit that I am weak, but that I must submit myself to God. And when you study the word submit, there's two words that are put together. Many times we miss this. The first word is the word surrender, and the second word is commit. But friend, if you're committing without surrendering, you're always struggling. You're, you're, always, you're gonna always be struggling because in order to submit, committing comes after you first surrendered. God, I surrender. A lot of people commit, but they don't submit. God, I wave the white flag. God, I, I'm no match for this. Lord, I surrender. I need your help. I don't just pray that on Sunday. I pray that on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday and Friday and Saturday. This walk of a Christian as we walk into victory is surrendering over to the Savior over and over and over again. I surrender. I have to surrender before I commit. I have, to, I have to submit my life over to God, over to the Savior. It's interesting because we went to Argentina and um, it's just like the devil. As soon as mom and dad are gone, the devil starts messing with my kids. And so we walk into this wedding on Saturday in Argentina and we get a text from my brother-in-law that Wyatt had fallen off the slide and had busted his mouth open, bleeding everywhere. You know, it's like, oh, I felt bad for my brother-in-law. He's like, hey, he's okay, but here's the photo. He's bleeding everywhere. And we're, of course, overseas. And so we send him. He has to get stitches first time all by himself. So grateful for our family. They're around with him. But the reason why uh, I had to get back from Argentina really quick was because Wyatt had a surgery on Tuesday that he had to go to that has been scheduled for ages. He had a little birthmark that needed to be removed. And so we flew back from Argentina on Sunday night, got arrived on Monday morning. Then Tuesday morning, after Wyatt's already had stitches, we take him to the doctor and only one parent is allowed. And so I get there and they're gonna have to put him under with anesthesia. And so we go in the back and um, they start explaining to me the procedure and they tell me that he's gonna have to go back to get the anesthesia all by himself. And so now this little three-year-old boy who's the cutest thing ever, he's looking at me and I'm having to explain to him that, yo, you're gonna have to go alone back there with these people in masks who are very scary and uh, I'll see you on the other side, you know? <laughs> like, and uh, he was scared. No, dad, no, 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 dad, no, dad, no, 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 no. You come with, you come with me, you come. I said, I can't go. Um, there's a thing called HIPAA laws. I started explaining that to him, you know? And um, <laughs> it's like, 
Stop. He doesn't need to understand this. And um, in my house, I have, these, I have these statements that I've been telling my kids, and I could give them all to you another time, but one of the statements is when, when, when my kids are scared, they're allowed to say, Dad, can I borrow some courage? And so we were back there, and uh, he's scared. I said, buddy, what do you do when you're scared? <laughs> Dad, can I borrow some courage? I said, yeah, I got some courage for you. What I want to encourage you with today is that that's not just a nice story. That's God's word. Yeah. This is the truth. And the enemy's going to tell you right now, no, no, that won't work. But Paul writes in Ephesians chapter six, this is 2,000 years old and it's been working for a long time. He says, finally, be strong in the Lord. Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God. Why? Why? So that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. What is the devil's schemes? He wants to come and deceive you. He wants to tie you up with little tiny lies that he makes sound like it's your voice and he's trying to steal your mind away from you so you don't ever get to the place that God's called you. But he doesn't say be strong in your strength. He says be strong in the Lord. My other little phrase I've taught my boys is every night before we go to sleep, after we finish all of our prayers, right before I'm about to walk out, I say, boys, are you strong? And they always go, dad, if you're strong. I said, I'm strong if you're strong. They said, if you're strong, well, I'm strong. And so Wyatt, they started wheeling him away. I said, Wyatt, I said, are you strong? He looks up at the Spider-Man, he goes, if you're strong. <laughs> and I came to encourage some people today at VU Church. You can borrow some courage. You can borrow some strength. When God asks you, are you strong? You can respond back, if you're strong, God. And I got good news for you, this God has never lost a battle. So stand firm and rely upon his power. Somebody give God some praise. It's a reliance. It's a reliance. I can stand up against the schemes of the enemy because my God is strong. He doesn't save me and leave me. No, it's that same power that transformed me initially that sticks with me continually and progressively as I become more and more like Jesus. Are you strong, God asks you? And all you respond back is, God, if you're strong. That's most of my life, by the way. I don't know what you think about me or what the projection is that you get. I am a weak and fragile man. But I have learned that the moment I give up is the moment that God shows up. I have learned that if I give up, that's the first step in order for me to stand up. And when God says, Rich, are you strong? I say, Lord, are you strong? And God always responds, I have more strength. I have more grace. I will not leave you, son. I will not forsake you. Rely upon me. And so there's this repentance. There's this reliance. And lastly, I know I'm in this R kick, this whole, this whole collection, but I'm, I'm just there. It's this word. I'm just trying to make it simple for you because you can walk out of here. It's this last word. It's this word called remembrance. Remembrance. And here's the good news. Repent, rely, remember. Listen to me. Remembering your position in Christ, that little statement can put you on a road of deliverance. Like that's it right there. Remembering my position in Christ Jesus. What does Paul write again in Ephesians chapter two, verse six? Let me just tell you about your position in Christ. Those of you that have repented, those of you that are relying, those of you that are struggling today, 
as God raised us up with Christ, what does he do? He seated us with him in heavenly realms in Christ Jesus in order that in the coming ages he might show, this is so good, the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. Here's the gospel. For it is by grace. This is the truth. It is by grace you have been saved through faith. This is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. We've been seated in heavenly places. We're positioned with Christ. Our our position is not something that we have achieved. Our position is always something that we have received. And so when I'm struggling, when I feel less than, when I feel like my mind is wandering, I keep reminding myself of who I am in Christ Jesus. I keep reminding myself of my position, that I am a son, not by worth, I'm a son by birth. I have been born again. I've been born again, I put my trust in Jesus. I always love in those movies, like you've ever seen that scene before, where like there's some bad guys and then some guy kind of walks into the scene and they don't really know who he is and there's a big group of them and they could like, you know, quickly take him out, but all of a sudden like he happens to be like an undercover someone and they just flashes the badge, you know? And when he flashes the badge, although they have strength and power, they have to, they have to back away because there's a legal precedence that if we touch this man, we're gonna have, we're gonna have some problems. I just want to remind some of us that like you have legal right over the enemy. That as he comes to you, like you just flash your credentials. You just, you remember your position. You remind yourself, I am a child of God. This, this is not like, these are not like mantras and this is not new age. This is the truth of the gospel. I'm a child of God. How about this? I am the righteousness of God through Christ Jesus. I didn't earn my righteousness. According to Isaiah, my righteousness is like filthy rags. I could never do enough to be righteous. Therefore, I have to be positioned in Christ. How do I do that? By faith, by belief, by repentance and trust. His grace all of a sudden is, is, comes to my life and I receive his righteousness. Therefore, even when I make a mistake, I am still the righteous of God through Christ Jesus. I'm not going to allow a stronghold to be set up that would lie to me to tell me that I'm less than because I'm the head and not the tail. I'm a royal priesthood. I am a holy nation. I am a people, you and I, that belong to God. Once, yes, once I was in darkness, once I was lost, but now I have been found, I have stepped into the marvelous light, and therefore I boldly take my position as a child of God. And so when the devil reminds you of your struggle, you remind him of his future, that you have no future. You're a liar. You're a liar. And the only power you have over me is when I click on your lies and I believe it. Today, I want to help you get your mind back. This is the scripture that I've been thinking about all week long. Colossians chapter three. This is is how we close today. Since then, you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Watch this. Set your mind on things above, not on earthly things. For you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. (laughs) When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. This last week, maybe two weeks ago, I was leaving the house, same thing. Couldn't find my sunglasses. 
Couldn't find him anymore. I'm, 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 I gotta get the car. I gotta go. Where's my sunglasses? Where's my sunglasses? Where's my sunglasses? Where's my sunglasses? Go to my wife. Babe, you lost my sunglasses. You know. Same thing as a passport. <laughs> and she says, Rich, where did you last set them? I have no idea where I last set them. They're lost. Rich, where did you last set them? That's why I'm coming to you. If I knew that answer, I wouldn't be coming to you. Rich, where did you last set them? I don't know. Rich, they're on your head. <laughs> Thanks, babe. Friend, those of you in Christ Jesus, hear me. Your mind is not lost. You just forgot where you said it. forgot where you said it. And you gather today with your family and with your community to be reminded, oh, I know where I said it. I said it on the Spirit. I said it on higher things. I, I got to remember who I am in Christ. For this spirit that my mind is set upon has not given me a spirit of fear. I am not called to live bound, worried, struggling, afraid, barely surviving. I am called to be reminded that my mind is set on the Spirit, on earth, on heavenly things. Therefore, He has given me a spirit of love power, come on, and a sound mind, and it's with this sound mind that if I want my life to change, I go head first, I put my head out there, and I believe what God has spoken to me, come on. Thank you for listening to today's message. At VU, we believe we weren't meant to do life alone. We've been created with unique purpose and design to live in relationship with Jesus. If you've never surrendered your life to Him, we want to create an opportunity for you to do so today. If you want to say yes to Jesus, would you pray this with me? Dear Jesus, come into my life. Be the Lord of my life. I trust you with my past. I ask that you guide me in my present and I even place my future in your hands. I'm yours, Lord, now and forever. In Jesus' name, amen. If you made that decision to follow Jesus today, we want to partner with you in your next steps on your faith journey. Go to voochurch.com slash online. We love you.